Okay, greetings everybody. This is uh, podcast number seven or eight, I think. I got to go back and look at it. But anyway, uh, this is Sunday, and today is, what's the date? May 17th. May 17th. Today is May 17th. Um, according to a lot of talk, May 14th was supposed to be the beginning day of the New World Order. So I'm not sure that. If anybody know, reach out to me. Let me know what's going on. But one thing I do know, um, this world belongs not to man, but it belongs to God. And what we have to do as as the recipients of what God has made is to give him thanks and give him praise for putting you here. You know, he's a merciful God and an awesome God and loves everyone. Whether you're doing wrong or whether you're doing right, he still loves you. And for those that are doing wrong, he gives you a chance to repent and do things right. But I know that in this time and in this decade, you've seen a lot of wrong than you do right. But we just want to correct that. And for those who are actually out there and you're trying to do right, make it known. Okay, make it known. Send it out. Let everybody know what you're doing right and how pleased God is with it. Okay. Today is, uh, to me, it's, it's a time to talk about some things and a time to, to really open up things. And what I'm talking about is family. Okay. Everybody has, most everybody has been locked down. You've been in your house for quite a while, two or three months now. And you know how that is when people get stuck in the same place. Well, one or two things happen. You're either going to love that person or you're going to start resenting being in there, that situation. And I've heard that a lot of families are, they're, they're really uproared because of being together. And, you know, if we can only think about the love that God has for us, and putting us all together on this earth. Think about that, what you have just a little time being with your family inside of your house or wherever you may be. See, when God created this earth, he created something wonderful, something magnificent. Because after he created everything, he said, it is good. And God says it's good, that means it's good. It's marvelous. And we should not take that for granted. We should understand that when God said it's good, it's good. It's good for us. And when we see that in a different perspective as saying, well, it's just a, a thing that God created. No, you got to get deeper. You got to say, well, God, you created that for me. And that's why you hear a lot of people talking about, are you saved? Are you saved? Are you saved? And then some say, yeah, I'm saved. And some say, well, I don't know what salvation is. And then some say, you know, um, won't you help me understand what that means? Well, out of the goodness of God and out of his mercy and all the attributes that God has in him, he saw that man need to be saved. And therefore, God the Father sent God the Son, Yeshua, Jesus. And what Jesus did, he was obedient to the Father 
Because the father sent him and told him, say, son, I want you to go back and redeem all those who have sinned. Take upon you the sin of the entire world and put it on your shoulder. Said, I want, I want you to carry it. He said, yeah, there's going to be some upsets. People ain't, they're not going to love you. They're going to hate you. He said, but that's all right. I'm there for you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And I want you to do the same thing for all the people that you meet and all the people that you are going to do something for. And that is to shed your blood on a place that they call a cross. Two sticks put together, one upright, one horizontal. He said, now, you're going to go through agony. You're going to go through pain. You're going to go through suffering. But I must tell you, when you die, I will be there for you. And I want you to tell the people that you will be there for them as well. Because we are united as one. And as you get back to your home here in heaven, I want you to take my spirit and tell them that when I go, I won't leave you. I'm going to send a helper to help each and every one of you on your journey. Whatever decision that you make, whatever thing you're looking for, you ask for that helper. And that helper is going to guide you through your path. His name is the Holy Spirit. And he told Jesus, he said, now, a lot of people won't understand. They won't understand that at all. He said, but the best thing we can do is demonstrate. That is, we hear this in the old saying that, you know, action speaks louder than words. And sometimes that is very true. Because what Jesus did on the cross, that was action. And it spoke louder than the words he was speaking because he actually did it. And people, they understand that concept better than what he was, what he was actually talking about. But now that he left, a, he left a manuscript for us and he told the ones that he left behind, talking about Jesus when he went back to glory, he said, take all the things that I have spoken to you, all the things you have learned of me. He said, now I want you to go. Tell them all the good news that I have shared with you. Tell them what I have done. Show them the miracles that I have committed. Show them who I am. Tell them about who I am. And when you do that, by demonstration, he said, they will believe. They will believe. And that's what he did. Out of the 12, there was only one that quite different. Everybody know about Thomas. Because Thomas said, I don't think I want to believe unless I put my hand, my finger in the hole then I'll believe. 
And when Jesus showed him himself and then told, said, Thomas, come in, put your hand here. Put it in his side, put it in his hand. Thomas repented. Said, Lord, forgive me for my unbelief. This is what's happening now in this world because they have not seen Jesus, but yet they're saying, I don't, I don't believe. I don't believe at all. But see, Jesus said, you don't have to see me to believe in me. Just believe. Believe with what I've done. I have demonstrated a lot of things. Believe what I have done. And he looked at Thomas and said, he said, Thomas, I know you didn't believe, but now that you do believe. And he said, I'm going to tell you this. Bless those who have not seen me, but yet believe in me. I, for one, have not seen Jesus Christ on the cross, nor in the flesh. But I tell you what, I believe in him wholeheartedly. That is my first belief. Even at the age of nine, when I was baptized, I believe. At the age of 13, 14, living in the woods of Ocala, Florida, you know, it was a beautiful place in those woods. But let me tell you, one night I was in there washing dishes and, you know, you look out the window and it was a clear sky, bright, shining moon. And I asked Jesus, I said, who are you? Remember I was telling you about action speaks louder than words? Well, I was looking at that window and I was washing these pans and these dishes and everything. And then all of a sudden I just stared out. And then all of a sudden I seen a figure. He was dressed in all white standing there. I was not afraid. But I knew who it was. And I stood there and I think it could have been a whole minute that I was watching Jesus just standing there looking at me and smiling. And then something had got my attention and startled and I looked back up, he was gone. I think it's probably my mama telling me to hurry up and wash these dishes because it was uh, like about one or two o'clock in the morning. So I finished washing the dishes and I went to bed. But you know, I never told anybody about that. Never did. And there was many other occasions that I asked God to reveal himself to me. I remember one time I was in the woods again and the wind was blowing. It was a nice summer day and it felt so good. And I looked up in the trees. I said, God, are you in everything? And a voice spoke to me right here in my ear. He said, I am in everything. And I said, what? And I looked around. Because I thought like my uncles or something yelling something at me, but no. It was the voice. He said that I am in everything. And I said, oh, wow. But it was just a little token of what, what God was showing me at that time. That's my granddaughter crying, y'all. So I asked, I said, well, Lord, if you're in everything, then why do we have so much evil in the world? 
And he told me about the evil one. God said, my desires is not to have evil in this world, but to eradicate it. And the only way I can do that is to send my son here to redeem all those who were lost. And that's what he did. And I understood that. At 13 or 4, I think I was about 14 years old. I understood that. And I started getting into the word more so because I wanted to see and I wanted to know more of God. But in a Baptist situation, you know, they only preached to the cross and then that was it. That was back in my day. But as I left home and I got into the military and I met other movements and I got into this, this thing called the walk. Then I start understanding more of the word of God. It wasn't just going to the cross and then that was it. That was more after the cross. And I said, okay, I can get, I can get deeper now. And, and granted, the walk taught me a lot. It taught me about divine order. It talked about the apostles, the prophets, which a lot of people don't believe in anymore. But they said, oh, that just happened in Jesus' time. But let me tell you something. That's a lie. The Satan don't want you to know about the order of God and the order of his church. For those who are apostles out there, keep doing the good will of God. For those who are prophets out there, keep prophesying. And evangelists out there, keep gathering in the flocks because there's a lot of lost ones. And the preachers and teachers, pastors, You got to actually get into the word of God and live by it. You got to be an example. It's just like what the word said about a bishop. It's a desire office. I'm sorry to tell you, but it's not a call office. It's a desire office. It's in the word of God. Read Timothy. So, but it's a good job. It's a good thing. You desire to be a bishop. It's a good thing. But your authority does not extend over all the others. Understand, we must have order. And we must have order in the church. We must have order in this world. And that order stems from God's order. So, God does have a plan for us. And we just need to abide by it. But what he wants most is to have us look to him and trust him in everything that he wants us to trust in him to do. We have our own desires, which is okay. But you got to have God's desires first. You got to ask, Lord, what do you want me to do today? Get up in the morning, give him thanks, give him praise. Say, Lord, I thank you for laying me down. Lord, I thank you for getting me up. Lord, I thank you for my health and my strength. Lord, I thank you for being in a right mind. I thank you for this day. I'm not worried about tomorrow or worried about what I just came from. I'm thanking you for this day. This is our attitude to being loving by God. This is our attitude towards him. One thing I did learn about everybody being at home 
is that it does bring family members together. And like I said before, sometimes it tears the family up because they don't know how to how to, to control their time and how to do things, how how to do things decent and in order. You know, you've been in one cooped up place, you're ready to put your fingers around the neck and you're ready to choke the penguin ice cream out of everybody. That's not God's way. In the word of Matthew chapter uh, 12, and it says in 25, Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, this is uh, the NIV, Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If you're in your house, you're all cooped up, get outside and go walk around. Okay? You start getting on each other's nerves, stop. Get outside and walk around. If you're in a city, you're in an apartment or something, get outside. Just walk to, from one floor to the other. Make sure you wear your mask. Okay, if you have a vehicle, go get in your car, take your mask with you, take you some water, put it in your car, just drive for a little bit. And then while you're doing that, it said, Lord, let peace reign into my household. This is what you have to do in order to maintain order. Ask him, Lord, let peace reign into my household. Then as he said that. Uh. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? And if I had to drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your people drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But if it is by the spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So if you're having problems with demonic possessions or something in the house, you got to plead the blood of Jesus and stand on God's word. Satan, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Unclean spirit, I command you to leave my presence, leave my house. Touch not any of my uh, God's anointing ones. Leave his presence. You got to take command. You got to make a decree that this will be a holy place. This is a place where the Lord and the Holy Spirit reigns here. Satan, you're not invited into my household. Get out. The blood of Jesus be upon you now. Get out. And watch and see what happens. But you got to stand on the word of God. A house divided, I'm sorry, would not stand. But if you stand on the word, It'll be a kingdom. It'll be togetherness. You have love. You will have peace. He said that, oh, again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possession unless he first bind or ties up the strong man? Then he can plunder his house. People listening right now, if you are a man of God living in your house, you are the strong man. Don't let Satan come into your house and drive you out. I know it doesn't sound good, but let me tell you something. You cannot let the enemy throw you out of your own house. God put you in charge. He gave you the authority to, go, to bind those enemies. Loose the power from heaven. Loose the angels to come in and minister in your household. But bind the hand of Satan right now. 
Because the only thing he wanted to do is destroy and conquer. Remember in the word it said he's out to steal, kill, and to destroy? He would do that if he bind the strong man. And if you women, if you're there in your household by yourself and you're the woman of the house, then you are still the strong man. Take authority over where you are. Get rid of that devil. Don't let him just come in and ruin your place. Get rid of him. Children, obey your parents. It's decent. It's order. Your life will be longer. Very long. I remember hearing a story about a mother. Well, she's a wife. I'm not going to say a mother. But yes, yeah, she had two, three kids. She was four foot, 11 and a half. And she had a husband. He was big and gruffy. You know, he used to come home. He was mad about everything and anything. And the first thing he wanted to do was slap her around. And she told him, she said, one day, keep it up, one day. He's all oh, woman, shut up, go get my food. Bring me a beer. So he set his old big butt on the couch and demanded everything. So this happened day after day after day after day after day. Until one day, that little woman, four foot eleven, the man came home. He was tired. He was incapacitated. So he couldn't say too much to her, but he sat on the couch. And his sweet little innocent wife said, why don't you go ahead and go to bed? He didn't say a thing. Got up, went and laid in the bed. While he was in the bed, she went to the hardware store. And she said, sir. And the man said, yes. She said, what is the strongest rope that you have? So he said, hold on. So he went back in the back and brought out one of those ropes that you can't break. And so he asked, he said, uh, what are you trying to do, move a mountain? She said, no, I'm finna tie up a billy goat. She said, he said, okay. Uh, she said, thank you, went on her way. She went back home. So big dude was laying up in the bed snoring. So she took that rope, tied his feet, tied his hands, and then when he woke up, he couldn't move. And he hollered, hey, what are you doing to me? She said, oh, nothing really. So he asked, why you tied me up? She said, first of all, you remember the time you used to come home every day and slap me side the head and beat me up for no reason? So he said, yeah, you wait till I get out of these ropes. I'm going to beat you some more. So she said, okay. So she went out in the back, pick up a board. And so she came back in. She said, now, tell me what you're going to do. So she said, when I got his rope, I'm going to beat you up some more. So she hauled off and hit him on his feet. He hollered, ah! 
So she said, what you said you're going to do? He said, if you don't let me out of here, he said, I'm going to kill you. So she ran back, hit him on his feet again. He hollered. And so she said, what did you say? He said, I can't believe you did this. You tied me up. Now you hit me on my feet. He said, you just wait. You better tear these ropes off of me because you, you keep these ropes on me and I get out of these ropes, I'm going to hurt you so bad. She hollered, wow, I hit him on his feet again. He hollered, ow. She said, what did you say? He said, I'm in pain. My feet hurt. She said, that's not the right answer. What did you say? I told him, pow, she hit him on his feet again. And she said, what did you say? He said, you better untie me. I'm going to call the police. So she hauled on, pow, hit him back on his feet again. And he said, why are you doing this to me? So she hauled, pow, hit him on his feet again. I mean, after you done got hit about the fifth or the sixth time, don't you think something would click? So it didn't click. So every time she asked him, what did you say? He'd say something derogatory. And she'd haul off and hit him with that board again on his feet. Finally. Finally. She said, what did you say? He said, honey, I'm sorry. Say sorry for what? For me mistreating you? For me hitting you? She haul off and hit him on his feet again. He said, what you do that for? She said, because you're lying. Mm -hmm. He said, I'm not lying. He said, yes, you are lying. I'm not lying. So she haul up and hit him on the feet again. Ah! Tears started to roll down his face. He said, honey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So she said, are you really sorry? Yeah. Forgive me. I didn't mean to do anything to you. I'm so sorry. She said, I know you're sorry. But are you really? Yeah, please don't hit me again on my feet. My feet are swollen up. Don't hit me again. So she said, really? He didn't say a word then. Because he knew if he said something, she was going to hit him on his feet again. And she looked down at him. She said, all this time, only thing you had to do was confess your fault and you would have spared the aching pain. And so he told me, he said, what? I said, yeah. Well, uh, I don't know what to say. She said, I was raised as a believer in Christ. You were raised in the church as well, but I don't know if you believed in Christ or believe in Jesus. So you holler, yes, I did. Yes, I did. Then why did you come home angry and, mis and mistreated me? Because I was angry. Because I was. She hauled up and hit him on his feet again. Oh, buddy. He was in so much tears. He almost defecated on himself. And so he said, honey, Please just let me up. I promise. 
I promise to God I would not do this again. She said, remember what you said. You make a vow, you must keep it. If you think that you're going to get away with this, your feet may be hurting from me, but your backside is going to be hurting from God if you don't do this vow. So she reached over and she untied him. Looked down at his feet, got him a pan. Say, put your feet in this pan. You know what she did? He had some water and some Epsom salt. Y'all know what I'm talking about. So he put his feet in the pan and he, <gasps> sign of relief. She still had the stick in her hand. <laughs> so she said, are you okay? So he said, I am now. I am now. He said, I don't know what was going on within my life. But sometimes we do have to have a beating to get us straight. And she said, you know, Jesus does that to us. When we are out and about and we're not straightened enough, he comes in and chastises us. And he whipped us to let us know that we are doing wrong. She said, the only thing I was doing, what Jesus did in the spirit, I'm doing in the flesh. That's what I'm doing. So after that, he repented. He repented. He started going back to church. He became a deacon. Started treating everybody in his neighbor right. Because, see, he was a mean man. Started treating his family right. Loving his wife like he should. And I remember part of the story said that when it was another man that was on his job of being all mean and angry and everything, he told him about his story. The very next day, the man told, went to his wife and asked for forgiveness. The moral of the story is that I'm telling you, when you have anger issues and stuff like that, you got to give it to God. You got to give it to God. You can't give it to another person because that person don't know what to do with it. But when you can just trust in him, he would take everything in account and he would deliver you from it. Every time. He would take you out of harm's way. He would make you a better person. As we as we live into this pandemic and God say these are pestilent times, they are. This is the beginning. This is the beginning. Jesus is on his way back. But as we live together, we got to remember the story that if you don't do right, God will chastise you. So you have to learn to live together. If you cannot live together, then move. Get away. Take a break. Okay? He didn't say go and find somebody else. He just said take a break. That's all. Take a break. And when you take a break, you feel better. The other person will feel better. But don't be like this old man that came home was trying to beat his wife all the time and being gruff and rough and everything else and trying to take things in his own hand and was mean and nasty. 
See, the little lady just got tired of him. She took that board and whipped him on his feet. The place that he has to walk. You know, your feet are very special. It is very special. We must have clean feet. Because Jesus said, that's part of your body. If Jesus, who is the son of God, can stoop down and wash 12 people's feet, stinking, dirty, dust-ridden feet, and humble himself to do it, what makes us any different? We need to bow down and understand that we're living together, so wash each other's feet. Be humble with each other. Live with each other in harmony. And trust God in doing the right thing. That's all you have to do. And when you do that, everything will be all right. It will definitely be all right. God said that a house divided will not stand. A house divided will not stand. But if you put Jesus in the house, it will stand the most horrible times. The wind will blow. Storms will come over. You can dash anything against that house, but it's going to stand. Nothing will move it because it is rooted in the word of God. In this house, I'm going to stand strong. And for those that are listening, I want you to repeat this. I am the authority of my house, and God has put me in charge. For young ladies or mothers out there, if you're the lady of your house, God has put me in charge. This is my house. I'm in the authority here. Nothing or no one is going to move me from it. And then ask for peace, because peace is a powerful word. When Jesus got out of the boat and the wind was was rocking and the waves were blowing all over the place. He just said, peace, be still. And everything just settled. Speak to your house now. Say, peace, be still. And it will be still. The household does not need to be disrupted. But it is to be loved. It is to be cherished. It is to be honored. And while you're there, you ought to be humble. And obedient. This is part of the will of God. He has a lot more for you, but that is one of the biggest things He wants you to do. I'm so enthused and so thankful that He's still having us to stand here and to be here and to understand that He's in control. And for those that are listening, God bless you and hopefully that you keep your house in order. Amen. Amen. Thank you.